0: And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks.
1: You may be seated. When Christians talk about Mary, we are very good. At remembering her openness to God and God's invitation. We remember, and we read this last week, how when the angel told her that God had chosen her to bear Jesus in her womb, Mary said an elegant yes. She said, let it be with me according to your word. And we likely have paintings floating around in our mind by dead white men of what this yes to God looked like. A graceful woman in pastel blues and whites, a posture of humility, a humble bow and subtle smile suggesting that this obedience is easy, that this is what she had been wanting all along. But these pictures leave out the true cost of accepting God's invitation. How scary it must have been for her to say yes. What we don't remember is that for Mary, saying yes to God and bearing Jesus was also saying yes to risk and danger. In fact, the very best case for Mary looked like this. As an unwed girl who became pregnant, she was opening herself up to shame and ridicule from her community that she would bear day after day as her body grew larger and pregnancy grew more difficult to hide. But it could be even worse than that. Some historical texts from around Mary's time suggest that it was a practice for unwed pregnant women to be put to death by stoning, or if they were from a priestly family, as Mary likely was, put to death by burning. And even if somehow she managed to avoid these fates, pregnancy and childbirth themselves were medically dangerous, there was no ER for her to rush to, and Mary, even at her young age, had almost certainly known and attended the funerals of other women who had died giving birth. And so this was no storybook yes, no pastel colors, no knowing and faith-filled smile, no gentle and submissive bow to the angel. This was a wide-eyed and adrenaline-filled yes, where Mary knew precisely how vulnerable to danger she was making herself. And yet Mary still felt that somehow turning down this invitation was the worst course of action. She simply could not get herself to say no to this opportunity to let God take root in her and to bear God's love into the world. She sensed that saying yes to love was worth the risk. We too say yes to risk. When we say yes to love, you cannot actually separate the two, love and risk. They go hand in hand. Loving always leaves you exposed and vulnerable. I learned recently that one of the ways that you can sign the word vulnerability in American Sign Language is like this. It means opening yourself up, but also leaving you exposed. There's a lot going on in this simple sign, because when you're closed, no one can hurt you. You're safe. Your defenses are up. You are ready to strike if someone gets too close. But when you're open, you are vulnerable and able to be harmed. And herein lies the paradox. You can't love someone from this position. If you're gonna embrace someone, you need to open your arms. You can only give and receive and share with people if you drop your fists. You can only connect yourself with others if you break down that barrier between you and the rest of the world. We cannot show love until we open up and opening up is inherently risky. You know this from your own lives. You know there's always a risk to showing love. Think of the nervousness you feel after you've made something creative that you've poured your love into. A piece of art, a poem, a song, a hand-knit scarf, a really good meal. It's scary to show other people. What if they don't like it? What if they think you're foolish? or if you feel your heart going out to someone that's getting picked on, as soon as you start standing up for them, you know you are risking becoming a pariah as well. If in your work you speak up for love's sake, that you're going to make an unethical decision as a company or organization and you'd rather not, When you speak up, you open yourself up to retaliation or a cold and lonely work environment. If love leads you to strive for race equity as a white person, you risk having to unlearn a lot of stuff that good people have told you is true and end up having to sit with some uncomfortable truths. Loving someone with mental illness means you risk the feeling of helplessness. Loving someone with addiction means you risk being betrayed, lied to, and used as that disease has its way with them. And even when you find true romantic love, and even when both of you are healthy and strong and well-balanced, when you decide to get married, we make you say up front that you know this is ending in death for one of you and grief for the other. Showing love means taking a risk. There is always a cost to love. But just like Mary, what other choice do we have? How can we not, after all? If you have tasted what love is, you know that it's the realest thing that there is. You know that where there is love, God is there too. And even when it's hard, love is what gives life meaning and purpose. As scripture will say later on, love is the pearl of great price that we would gladly trade all that we have to possess. And so the right question for us as Christians isn't, how is it that we can figure out how to show love and stay safe? How do we open ourselves up with somehow maintaining our our fists to uh, keep us safe? The right question for us is how do we sustain ourselves? as we become vulnerable over and over again for the sake of love and truth? How can we stay rooted in love after we give our wide-eyed and adrenaline-filled yes to bearing God's love into a world that is hostile to it? Because this posture, it's not easy to maintain. I think a lot of our spiritual life actually should be dedicated to figuring out what it is that we can do to strengthen our own holding of this posture. What strengthens us in our practice of love? We would be wise to look at Mary in Scripture today. She is figuring out how she will be maintained and strengthened as she, too, bears God's love into the world and is open to risk and harm. And so what does Mary do? She seeks out community, and she sings her praises to God. The gospel tells us that Mary leaves her home and goes to the hill country to join her relative Elizabeth, And she does this because she understands that she cannot hold this posture all by herself. She knows that love is too big of an enterprise to be the work of just one person. And so Mary seeks someone out whose presence and accompaniment will strengthen and encourage her. And Elizabeth does just that. Elizabeth is filled with joy at Mary's presence. She sees Mary's unexpected pregnancy not as a shameful thing to hide, but as something that God is doing through Mary to bless the world. And Mary is sustained by this community of rejoicing she finds with Elizabeth. I believe it is because she has been seen and known and blessed by another person, that Mary finds strength to carry out this risk of love that God has given her to do. And so then Mary also sings a song of praise to God, a song that is so exquisite and stunning that there are whole orders of monks and nuns and faithful Christians who repeat her song every single evening in their prayers. This song Mary sings, it's a beautiful mashup of what God has done in the past, what God will do in the future, and what God is doing through Mary right now. In her song, Mary sees the wide sweep of God's bold love throughout history, and then she zooms in and sees herself as part of that story. And so Mary can continue in the posture of risky, vulnerable love because she has remembered the God who invited her to join God's work of redemption And Mary finds that as she praises God, a sense of trust arises in her that God will be faithful to her. In her song, she grasps once again that the same God who guided a wandering Abraham through the desert now guides her. And the same God that one day will feed the hungry and lift the lowly is feeding and lifting her. Mary comes to trust as she sings that the promises of God are not made in general, but are made to her. Mary is wise. She knows that she cannot sustain openness to love on her own because love isn't something that she manufactures. It is instead a pure gift from God that comes to her and through her. And so she seeks the places that love will be found and she finds it in the company of community that rejoices in one another and the presence of God in the stories of scripture and the practice of prayer. Have you sought these places out? Your attendance here suggests that you have. After all, joyful community and prayerful song, they are the backbone of our worship. When we gather here, we gather as a community under God's forgiveness so that we do not judge one another, but simply rejoice in one another's presence and seek to know and be known and bless and be blessed by one another. And we too, when we gather here, lift our voices in song and hear stories of God's faithfulness and share God's dream of an earth filled with the deepest peace. At its root, what church is, what we do here, is place ourselves in the presence of a love that allows us to keep holding this pose, that emboldens us to keep risking ourselves for the sake of love getting out into the world. Be strengthened in this place by the stories you hear and the hope that you sing. Be known by others in this place as one whose life deserves rejoicing. Be held in this place and all places by a God whose love is stronger than any risk we take to show it. A God who makes a promise not just to the earth, but to you. Amen.